Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast of your favorite tanking team in the Bay Area. And today is the big one. Will Scouch joins to draft to profile Connor Bedard. He's the reason why you lose all those games. We're going to talk about Connor Bedard, uh, why he is such a prize prospect, uh, the Bedard versus Fantilli, and just more draft stuff with Scouch. So all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. You're Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, J.D. Young, contributor at Fear the Fin, R.I.P., and San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Sharks your first listen. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, you can watch this on YouTube as well as we cover your team every day. But we are joined by the one and only Will Scouch. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going great. Uh, you know, it's it's always wonderful to be back. Love hearing the theme music to the show every single time. Uh, it's always it's always good to see you too. It's uh, it's always fun, you know. Uh, and you gave me the best guy of all of them, right? So uh, I can't complain. I had to. I mean, I I always get you on to do the the big preview before, and I had to give you uh, Connor Bedard. I mean, he is the reason why the Sharks keep losing all these games, and why most teams are trying to lose as many right. games as possible. Um. Before we get into Connor Bedard, if you guys don't know who Connor Bedard is, uh, Connor Bedard is a center for Regina in the WHL. He's five foot ten, one hundred eighty five pounds. Uh, in fifty one games this year, he has sixty one goals, sixty four assists, three hundred and twenty five uh, shots on goal. Um, just absolutely bonkers in his absurd numbers. And I mean, okay, let's start here because I mean, we this is. Connor Bedard has been the guy that's been talked about for the past few seasons, right? This is the guy. This is the guy. Um, what makes him such a special franchise-altering prospect? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy where he just has such a, from my view, masterful touch for the offensive side of the game. Like everything he does when he steps on the ice is pretty much focused on I'm going to take the puck into the offensive zone or get it there. And then I'm going to make something happen. And, and nine times out of 10, he, he does make <laughs> something happen, whether, you know, something, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the quality, like you don't score 60 goals in 50 games without having a pretty good shot. Um, <laughs> you also don't score 60 goals in 50 games without being willing to shoot the puck a lot yes. even if you have a great shot and the fact that he also has piled on 60 assists on top of that i think i mean we can dig into it because a lot of people sort of portray him as a little bit more of a sniper or a shooter first but there's there's playmaking there with him and when you factor in the types of line mates he's had over the course of the last couple it's of not years like regina is some like powerhouse they're, they're not <laughs> yeah. yeah and when and bedard is a major major part of that and so well not he's a major part of why they're not not a great team. You know, he's a major part of why they are where they are. Um, You know, just like the high level production data he has is already pretty nuts on its own. But 
by the last by my last count, he's sitting at like for every ten goals his team is scoring, he's getting points on between six or seven. Like it's just so dumb. Like it just doesn't really make sense. I I'm trying to think of the last guy. It's just Eric Carlson on the Sharks this year. That's the yeah. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of a guy who brings that kind of like I, I I don't even know. Like I'm trying to think. I don't see any. I just pulled up my list that I made when I first started doing this work of like all the draft eligible guys mm-hmm. that were drafted in the first round that had really really high production levels in the CHL. And like I think the highest one I can find is like. Sidney Crosby, who was at 56, and he's up at like 67. So it, you know, part of that I think is the lack of a supporting cast in Regina, but it doesn't matter. Like he's still just absolutely bananas when it comes to scoring. And I think he does it through just a masterful touch of like when to, you know, how to protect pucks, you know, how to Mm -hmm. give himself some extra time to make some space for himself. You know, he, he's willing to take chances from pretty much anywhere. And he does it because he has probably the best shot of a 17 year old, uh that we've seen i don't i don't remember the last guy who can shoot like Connor bedard especially at that Noah size Gregor. yeah maybe cole caulfield yeah no no gregor probably good, uh, yeah no gregor <laughs> exactly yeah like he's just amazing he's just a great offensive talent just a tremendous tremendous player um who i think you know i think you know i know this is you just asked one question and now we've gone completely you know in a different yeah. direction but at the world juniors i think you saw a totally different side of him from what i remember seeing in regina just adding the ability where he had the confidence to dish it along the boards to a line made and let them make something happen. And he just yeah. sort of finds some space, gets a quick chance on net. And, and next thing you know, he's got whatever it was, 20 something points in seven games. Yeah. It's, I think he, 23 points. Uh, yeah. 29 goals, 14 assists uh, for 23 points in seven right. games. So um, I mean, that was going to be, cause I don't want to say like players like this, where it's like, of course he, every time he touches the ice, he's the best player. And, I mean, that's not going to change very much once he gets in, gets established in the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's going to be the best player most nights whenever <clears throat> he touches the ice. But is there, I like, is there, I, I want, I don't want to call it like a selfishness to his game where like he knows he has to be the guy. So maybe you see him taking chances and doing stuff that would, you wouldn't see. Uh, but did you, your world juniors experience is like, okay. He's doing that because literally he has nobody else to play with on Regina. Um, are you worried about like a selfishness, I guess, when it comes to going forward? I think that that's going to be the adjustment for him. Like, yeah. re- I think I think he's a player who it's kind of hard to explain because a lot like a lot of people ask me, like, who does Connor Bedard remind you of? What's but yeah. but he's kind of the level of talent where it's like he kind of just is himself. Like just the way he plays is kind of one in a, one in a, like one in a million. Mm. And I think I think that. I, I would really hesitate to use the word selfish, but, but like it's very, you know, I, I don't. But it's very. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah but, but I I I I think it is very very clear that with Regina, um, John Paddock, the coach GM, is just telling him like, look, you're Connor Bedard, <laughs> do whatever you want. And I think that in the World Juniors, you definitely saw a more willingness to be sort of a part of a machine rather mm-hmm. than like the whole machine. But I still think in the World Juniors, like you, I kind of set aside the games against Germany and Austria. Those two teams are just not competitive at yeah, that that's, tournament. That's, like that was go Philip Pisacci. Yeah, go, basically, go and he did. I think yeah. he scored seven goals in, or seven <laughs> points in both games. Like it's yeah. so silly. But I, I, and I don't want to like nitpick like games and be all technical yeah. and stuff. But I do think 
when games really mattered at the World Juniors, those are the ones with Bedard where I really, really paid attention. I mm. believe he was held off the score sheet in the gold medal game, if I'm not mistaken, or the semifinal, one of the final games of the tournament. And I really wanted to pay attention to why. And I think that you do see still a player who really tries to do as much as he possibly can on his own. And the things that I see, you know, when I when I track all my data and everything, the, the things that are very in, in, insanely clear to me is that he shoots the puck a lot from mm -hmm. everywhere. And that's really all he does a lot of the time. Like his pass attempts are really low, you know, but a lot of those pass attempts are when he's in the offensive zone and he's trying to shovel them to the front of the net. Like that's just kind of how it goes. And yeah. and it's it's that's fine, right? Like I don't mind that, but it doesn't work out a whole lot of times. He's just kind of doing it because he doesn't see a shooting option. And I do think that there will be an adjustment because it's sort of like, look, we can't have you, you know, at at five ten circling around the perimeter, you know, <laughs> and then just turning and firing it from the blue line. Like you're going to need to learn. Like you're there's, in the NHL. Like a lot of times, it's not one singular guy carrying it around the perimeter of the ice and just rifling it on net, and someone cleans up the garbage or the goalie can't save it. It's just not the level of hockey is way too high. And so to yep. me. I sit here and go, you know, people are saying, oh, Connor Bedard's going to score like 100 points next year in the in the NHL. I don't think so, but I do think that he will, like, I think he'll get there, right? The shot yep. itself is there. He's got the playmaking ability. He's got the touch and the way to build the map of the ice in the offensive zone, especially. The thing I think for him to work on will just come with experience. It's a matter of like learning when not to overhandle the puck, knowing when to pass it off to a teammate in a cycle situation, knowing how to, instead of thinking shot, 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 thinking, okay, how am I going to give myself the best chance to score mm -hmm. as a as a unit, right? Like he's a guy who can step across the blue line, make a cut inside just outside the faceoff circles and rifle it top shelf in the WHL. Not too many guys in the NHL do that. And I think the last really high level scorer that I can remember that in the NHL scored a lot from further out on average than most forwards is Patrick Line. Like yeah. he was a guy that I remember when I was draft eligible and watching him and going, this guy's just rushing the puck up the ice, stepping across the blue line and rifling it at the goalies and they just can't stop it. <laughs> and and in the NHL, like it worked for a while, but he did need to sort of diversify yeah. things a little bit. He was really power play heavy. Um so, but I, I think with Connor Bedard, like that's literally the only sort of crit, crit, critique I can level, right? Like the rest of it, it's just, at least, especially offensively. Like, again, I keep yeah. saying the word offensive because that's where he plays his best hockey by far. If he's got the puck, he's just a magician, right? Like yeah. the, the numbers that he puts up for me in the game, in the work I've done is just, it's pinned at like the best I've ever seen. <laughs> and there's just very specific areas where I'm going, yeah, you might need to tweak this. Or like, if I'm a coach, I could see how this be could become problematic. Like, you, you know, I, th I think in the gold medal or the semifinal game of the world juniors, like he was overhandling it at the blue line, like really circling around, coughed it up. And I think it led to a goal against, and you just don't want to be doing that in the NHL re really yeah. at all. So it's going to be a matter of experience, but I, I certainly, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be in the camp of like, he's going to jump on an NHL team like the sharks and like literally day one, he's going to be, you know, a 100 point NHL score. That's just so rare. And I yeah. think hard to do nowadays, but could he get there one day? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. He's got the offensive tools to do it. Um, he, he's just, he just does so many things offensively so well. All right. Uh, before we continue, um, kind of talk about more Bedard, uh, kind of what to expect 
a realistic expectation for him in his first season. Talk about Bedard versus Fintilli and why you guys are trying to galaxy brain the crap out of this. Uh, do want to take a quick break, talk to you guys about our friends over at uh, FanDuel. So we are past the halfway point of the uh, NBA season, and now it's a perfect time to download the FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. as bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, so Bedard, we know he's great. Uh, you know, we've heard the next McDavid, all that fun stuff. Um, realistically, for, for Bedard, he's going to be playing in the NHL next year, right? There's no way he goes back to juniors. Uh, he's way too good to be playing in juniors. Uh, like, he would have nothing to prove there. It's, oh, can I score 100 goals in a season, I guess, would be what he'd be trying to do type of thing. But um, eventually, I know he's five foot ten. I, I know a little bit slighter compared to some other guys, but he he's going to probably start as a winger and then eventually transition to center. You think as he grows into his body and become kind of matures. That's the tricky bit. I think I mm -hmm. don't know. I mean, I, again, it depends. I think it would depend on who you ask and like what you're looking for out of your centers for me, you know, like, I don't know. I, I look at a center to me as a guy who's a 200 foot dude links your defenseman to your wingers. Your wingers yeah. are so the guys that, that fly the zone, they chase a little more offensively. The centers kind of are that transition threat moving up and down the ice. Good back checker, good four checker, whatever, uh, whatever it is you want to want to put out there. You know, just an all around dependable guy who can link all the diff all the guys defensively and offensively together. Yeah. With Bedard, I just I haven't seen a ton of evidence directly that he plays a center's game where I'm really hopeful that like he's going to be a super high end NHL center, right? Like I, you know, the only NHL player that from what I can remember seeing, again, I'm really taking it back and I'm dating myself maybe a little bit here, but like he kind of reminds me a little bit of like if Patrick Kane could, you know, was a bit more of a shooter. And mm -hmm. I don't like, and, and I, cause the defensive numbers for, for Bedard, yes, he's not on the best team in the WHL, but he's still not super engaged defensively. He throws his weight around. He's he's a yep. more physical player than you would expect. He's more of a chippy player than you would expect. He doesn't, okay. you know, this isn't a guy who like backs down from heavy pressure. He does. He's not. He's not afraid. I will never ever call Connor Bedard like shy or afraid to like get in there. He does that. Gotcha. Um, I think I think he tickled a Swiss guy's chin in the World Juniors because <laughs> like he is Connor Bedard, right? And so that's fine. Like I don't mind that. But like actual tangible defensive play, I think is still a pretty big work in progress. Like he's much more of a, you know, hang out at the, at the blue line a little bit more, a little bit shallower in his own end. And then when the puck sort of comes to him from a guy like Stanislav Spozil or whoever, mm -hmm. he can sort of just take off. And, and I mean, that's what his job is, right? Yeah. It's get Connor the puck in the defensive end, follow him into the offensive <laughs> end and just whatever happens, just try to clean up. Try whatever to keep, he's doing. keep up, right? Keep yes. up, keep yeah. up and finish for him. Like whatever, yeah. just let him cook. So and, if you're a, if you're a team that in Teal and San Jose and you right. lucky enough to draft him, a uh, Eklund Hurdle Bedard line to start things off. Uh, that might be fun. <laughs> it might be fun. Would it be I, a bad way to start this career, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 yeah, I mean, I think with Bedard, I would. 
you know, he's Connor Bedard. I yeah. think I think if I'm coaching him, I go to him and say, look, you're going straight to the NHL. We think we think you want to play center. Like mm-hmm. I, I would ask him, like, well, do you want to play center in the NHL like right away? And if and if he tosses it back to me, I would be like, we think you're I think he's good enough to do it. I think he's he can skate well enough. He's got enough skill to problem solve in the defensive end. He's he's off like a shot, getting up the ice uh, pretty well, and and does a lot of things really really well. And I would say let's give it a shot, right? Especially if you're San Jose. Like I don't know, you would know better than me, but the San Jose Sharks' expectations next year no, probably be not. Yeah, probably not <laughs> super high. So yeah. at least you can go out there and go. Like I don't want to start off one of this super highly talented players. I don't want who's been playing center his entire junior career. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start his NHL career off being like, gee, I shucks, I don't think you can play center in the NHL. I just don't think you can hang. Mm-hmm. And especially, I think he personally would be kind of like offended by that a little. And I, I mean, if I'm Connor Bedard and I'm coming off of a season like this playing center, I probably would be too. Um, and I go, look, you probably will have some lessons to learn, but we yeah. want you to experience that on your own and like experience that and we'll deal with it as it comes. And if you hit the ground running and you score six points in your first game and like you're incredible, then great, no problem. But at least we don't have to be like, oh crap, sorry for making you play wing when we thought you were a center. I I, I still think though, like when you watch how he plays now, yes, I could see him being a center in the NHL, but there are a lot of times where I'm sort of going, yeah, this guy, I, I just, he's punching below his weight class in the world juniors. They could have had every opportunity to put him at center. They put him on the wing. I thought he looked fantastic there. Um, personally, I mean, it's hard not to, when you, you do that, but you do what he did, (laughs) but I I don't know. I I think either way, you're going to get a fantastic player. Like, again, I look at Patrick Kane and I go, yeah, that's a guy who's not known for his defensive play, but who cares? He scores a hundred points a season, right? Like if Patrick Kane, exactly. Defense is for nerds. (laughs) Um, you know, so you kind of give and take with players like Kane. And I think with Bedard, I think there's a bit more in the tank with regards to shooting talent than yes. a guy like Patrick Kane, who also is a gifted goal scorer, but you still see with, you still see sort of similarities on their overall impact on the game. And and that's pretty indicated in, in the data I've got. But once the puck hits a stick, it's just, it's dumb. It's just so silly. So what's a realist. I mean, you said he's not gonna be a hundred point scorer um, and that, that that's unrealistic, right? Just uh, to be come out and be a hundred point scorer. But for example, say if, you know, He's playing with a guy like Eklund or he's playing with a guy like Hurdle or what is a realistic kind of season for him? You think like a 25 goal campaign as a rookie? Um, is that a real realistic option for him or like kind of outcome? I mean, you could see, it's I mean, you could tell me anything, right? Because you could say be, like, you could say like, oh, he's a 15 goal score or like a 10 yeah. goal score. And I think you'd be a little disappointed. Or you could say, <laughs> yeah. oh, he hit the ground and running hit like. 30, 35 goals. And I could, you could also see that role too, right? It will be very interesting. I, I mean, you'd be dumb not to put him on your power play. You just would be, <laughs> if you're San Jose, Come like on, Kevin LeBay can't even crack the Sharks power play right now. Yeah, Come on. No, you're, 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 if you're Connor Bedard and you don't, put, yeah. if you have Connor Bedard and he's not playing on your NHL power play next year, just to, just to, just to get experience, right? Just yes. give him the puck, learn how to shoot in the NHL, right? Like, that that to me is already sort of a formula for goal scoring on its own, right? <laughs> and I think with Bedard, it will be very interesting to see how his shooting tendencies shift. If he stays sort of the same, like right now, half of the shots I've tracked of him are from the perimeter. Like he just and, and he shoots yeah. more from that range than most defensemen I track. Like it's just insane. And so he is shooting from everywhere. And 
there is not, I, I don't know, I don't think this is, a, I can't say this with certainty, but I don't think there's a single high-level goal-scoring forward in the NHL who scores, say, 40 goals a season where half of their shots are coming from the boards or the goal line or whatever. Like, yeah. the number of times I've seen Connor Bedard go end-to-end from his own end into the offensive zone and take a shot from the goal line, I it's more than two hands in the games I've seen him. He just does that all the time, and it's not, like, NHL goaltenders will probably figure that out really soon. Yes. and figure out that they just stay tight to the post. They're bigger than WHL goaltenders. They're quicker. They're, they're smarter. Yes. They're going to, they're going to figure him out. So if, you know, if I'm coaching him, if I'm David Quinn, I'm going, look, we need you to learn how to be part of a unit and we need you to learn how to find some space on your own so that you can be teed up for shots, which he does do in the WHL sometimes, but he just has the puck so much. Yeah. And I'm, the, I, I, I'm not trying to like critique him. I'm saying I'm more interested in seeing what will happen. I think it will be very curious because on one hand, I think if he just goes through training camp, plays a few preseason games and goes, Oh, right. I got to play like this. Yeah. You know, like he did at the world juniors, he kind of flipped a little switch with the playmaking and the, and the puck movement a little bit. And he really rounded things out there and alleviated some of the concerns I had going into the tournament. But if he goes into play in the preseason and like fix sorts all that out and goes, okay, I've learned. I, I know that I'll need to ramp this up. Could he be a 40 goal scorer next year? Sure. Like, like Austin Matthews had 40 goals and 30 assists as a rookie, you know, could Connor Bedard sort of set that as a benchmark, score 40 goals, go out there. We're going to put you on the power play. We're going to do this. It's possible. Yeah. But I think there's going to need to be some tweaks in his game a little bit. Like I remember watching Austin Matthews with, with Zurich and he was a guy who was attacking the net. He was attacking the front of the, he was attacking the front of the net. He was, he was shooting from mid range a lot more than the perimeter, Um. you know, bigger, you know, I would say a more projectable puck puck protector, but I still think that with a guy like Connor Bedard, you know, it, I mean, I would say like thirty is reasonable. You know, <laughs> like I'd I, I like if especially if he's on your power play, like yeah, he's got such a good shot that if you just get him the puck, he's gonna score at some point. Um, but it's just a matter of like habits and and hockey sense, I guess you could call it. Uh, that I think are gonna that that could fluctuate those things pretty significantly all right um before we get out of here a couple more questions so the sharks they drafted some smaller forwards right you know Eklund not the biggest guy Bordelow not the biggest guy B said looks like he's gonna be a, a pretty good uh good size he's pretty good size but um there's a lot of sharks fans who say if the sharks get the first overall pick one they should trade back uh to whoever's number two to gather more assets and just pick Adam Fantilli um don't galaxy brain this, right? Uh, Adam Fintel is going to be great, right? Scouch, but like Connor Bedard, there's a reason why this guy's a generational talent. Um, don't <laughs> galaxy brain this just because he's a little bit smaller, right? So on what? Yes, but I will be like, let me just lay out the, the case, right? Like I, I've seen a lot of both of these guys and there was a time at the beginning of the year where I sort of went, I could see these guys more on an equal playing field. And I do think in 10 years, there is a chance that we look back on this and and it could be like an internet argument where mm -hmm. you have one guy you have one side of fans you know it's it would be you know to me it's kind of like you could look back on it and be like the same kind of thing as how people debate like Gretzky versus Lemieux right like there are things that Lemieux did especially in the time that he played and, and where he was scoring where you're like 
it's more impressive than what Wayne Gretzky was doing. But then you sort of go back and go, but yeah, Wayne Gretzky was Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, you know, Wayne Gretzky. He's a great like, one for and, a reason, right? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like I, I could see Adam Fantilli, like the growth I've seen in Adam Fantilli's game mm-hmm. has been huge this year. I think he has gotten a lot more confident with his size, throwing his weight around a lot more, getting involved a little bit more physically, um, doing that at both ends. Um, he's gotten a lot better breaking pucks out of his own end. You know, he's a guy who passes the puck around and uses line mates a lot more than Connor Bedard does. Again, Michigan, you know, he, yes. a little bit better. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Michigan's a little bit better. Yes, but <laughs> and I, I think with him, you also yes, he can just say bigger, and that's mm-hmm. something some people lean on. But Fantilli's size probably will benefit him in the NHL, especially when you consider how fast he is, how mm-hmm. skilled he is, like. It's funny. I was I was doing this. I sometimes do this exercise. Maybe you do it. You do it too. But like I, there are certain players from when I was growing up that everyone says were great, and I didn't really ever watch a whole lot of them. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys is Mike Madano, who was never like a hundred point guy, but he was a point per game dude in Dallas, yep. and he was the captain, and the fans loved him, and he yep. was this fantastic American player. With Fantilli, I see a lot of similar traits in his game to Mike Madano, where it's just speed, skill, insanely good shooter like really just a great all around hockey player that can, he's big, but he also can really move. And with Bedard, he's just not that. Yeah. And you know, yeah, you might see Bedard score 120 points and 70 goals one season when he's like career peak and Adam Fantilli might never break 90. But I think, I think that if you, it depends on what you call a good hockey player, right? (laughs) Like is, is a good hockey player, someone who is just all over the ice, every single area of the game and just giving it 120% Mm. and, and whatever, like men, maybe some people might be swayed with Adam Fantilli, but if you just want zoom, zoom, kaboom, like straight up the ice, insane shot, get your, get your bums out of seats, you know, sell tickets, Connor Bedard's your guy. And honestly, like, I think another thing to keep in mind is that Fantilli is, I think, 11 months older or 10 months older than Connor Bedard. Like, Bedard's a July birthday, I think. Yeah, he could almost be in the next draft. Yeah, so yeah. he's relatively close to next year's draft, and that yeah. would just be so dumb. Um, but 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 I think that that's also another factor that just tips it. But for me, like, just on my personal list, like, Bedard's a solid one. You Like, it would be insane for him to not go number one for me. Um, but F- Fantilli's a a close ish too. like, I really like on his own tier, but yeah. he's on his own, I think. And I, I think Mitchkov really pushes him, but I think as an all around NHL guy, who's going to just be great at a lot of things. I think Fantilli is right there. And I think there are things where Bedard maybe at some point shores it up, gets a little bit better, or he moves to the wing and those concerns are maybe a little more alleviated. Ah. And he's got some great center playing with him who they can sort of tag team and destroy the whole league offensively. Then yeah, sure. Then the, the equation changes, but with Fantilli it's, you know, yeah, he's not going for, I don't think he's going first overall. I'd be, I'd be stunned. Um, and just because he's bigger doesn't mean he should go first overall, but I do think, I do think that it is maybe a little bit closer than people think when you think about NHL value, especially when you talk to people who might think a certain way about the game that might devalue Bedard a little bit and value Fant- a guy like Fantilli a little bit more, but that's a, that's a mighty gap to close when you have one sort of automatic offensive guy versus yeah. sort of a, a good offensive guy that has a lot of traits all around the ice that, that really benefit him. All right. We'll get you out of here. Uh, a couple more. So 
You mentioned Mishkov. The Sharks uh, probably going to be drafting the top four. Um, Ketting, you have Mishkov and Carlson. So where are you now that kind of the SHL season's over, the KHL season's kind of, uh, as I know they're in the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where are you on these two guys? How do you have them ranked? I've been on a roller coaster ride with Mitch Kov all year. So, I so really if I ask you have... to tomorrow, it could be a different story. No, like, no, no, not yeah. anymore. But I started the year coming into the season. I kind of came in going, well, I've seen him play in the junior league last year. And I, you know, he's got a, he's a really good scorer, but like, you know, this is, this is coming from me. Who's like a data guy. Like he's a good yeah. scorer, but like there's other stuff where I'm kind of going, yeah, I don't know. And, and when I watched him in the, uh, Russian second division this year with St. Petersburg, I thought he was awful. He yeah. he was playing selfishly. He was really trying to do way too much on his own. He's not Connor Bedard, but he was trying to be Connor Bedard. Um, really not using line mates very effectively. Awful back checker. Awful defensive presence. Just not really had his. He didn't really seem to have his head in the game. It's like he didn't really seem to care that much. Mm-hmm. And. I, I don't like throwing that around, but it was really apparent that he was re- like, there were other guys in Russia that I was tracking that were in a lot of ways, just as impressive. Mm-hmm. And when he got loaned to Sochi, I don't know what happened. I don't know if the coach sat him down and was like, this is what we expect out of you. You're in the big time. Now we're going to play you minutes, but if you don't do what we need you to do, yeah. we're not going to play you. We don't care that you're Matt V. Mitchkov. Like Sochi's a team with a lot of young players on it. And they brought him in to be the guy. I think they won. 22 games this season and before he came along they had won seven and they finished (laughs) with like 14 wins in the last 40 games of the year or something like that which doesn't sound huge but like they were like seven and like 40 at the beginning when they first got him so it was bad and he just like a light switch was instantly one of the most impressive players in this draft like he was i had him down more towards like 10 to 15 on my list at a certain point this year Mm. And then after watching him with Sochi, I, I I had to watch like almost every game he played. It feels like just to be sure that I was seeing <laughs> such a mirror universe version of him. Like, is this no? This isn't real. Somebody photoshopped. Yeah, like he was he was he was using yeah. his speed way more. He was attacking guys a lot harder, especially in his own end. He was quarterbacking breakouts through his passing pretty much a lot more than than just getting carries and trying to skate into one on fives and you know, uh, making plays below the goal line and, and just all these things where you're sort of going, yeah, this is more like it. Like he's playing like a hockey player, not a 17 year old who thinks he's better than everyone and can just Mm -hmm. dance around everyone and shoot. Like it's, 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 I think it's a really important lesson to learn, but he seemed to have gotten there immediately. It was bizarre. Um, so really quick. I, so I, I do have a question. So we know yeah. he's going to be stuck in Russia for a while. Is he going to be continued to loan to like, what's his future there? Is he going to be with Sochi? Like, cause that's my one concern is like, if yep. he's not in this environment, does he go back to being the guy who doesn't care that, you know, quote unquote, doesn't care. Like, well, that's my one little concern about this is like, he was in the perfect environment that let him kind of, whether it's the coach or the staff or whatever, yeah. you know, the weird thing, the weird thing is that or he who was knows loaned, the KHL, right? Yeah, <laughs> the weird thing was that he was loaned out again to another team in the mm-hmm. junior league for the playoffs, not St. Petersburg's junior team. So I'm not sure what the story is there, but I would bet that he's going to play for St. Petersburg in the KHL next year. I don't, I, I don't see why he wouldn't, unless they just, I, I don't know. I don't see why he wouldn't. When it comes to Russian players, I know I've spoken to a few people and they all seem to think that we might be surprised at how some teams just sort of look at the Russia situation and everything. Personally, 
I, I think number one, money talks, right? Yep. Like I think that, you know, having a US based team or Canada based team with a much stronger economic situation is pretty persuasive at a certain point, right? Maybe not when he's 18, maybe not when he's 20, but the only Russian player I can think of that held out from coming over was Kirill Kaprizov. But that's one. That's yep. one out of a sea of them. Like, I remember people saying Vasily Podkolzin isn't going to come over for a number of years, so what's the deal with that? And he mm-hmm. ended up, he's here. Yeah. Um, so with so Mitchkov, you think he might be back early? Because it's, it's it's three years, I think, is how, how long his contract is. Yeah, so his contract goes to 26. But so, you think he might be, they might be able to buy him out or... Well, you, you know, know, money talks, right? Money like talks. you never know. And 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 if it, it it depends on who drafts him, I I would be interested to see where he goes. I have no idea. I can't I can't really pinpoint it. I I think he is a bit of a wild card, but I mean, I you know, for me, it most of the teams at the bottom end of the standings, like looking at them now, Columbus, San Jose, Chicago, Anaheim, maybe Montreal might want to start getting a little better sooner. Yeah. But Arizona, Philadelphia, Vancouver, like all of these teams are guys are teams where in all reality, like they're gonna be better for the next few they, years. They yeah. shouldn't be in a rush to get better. Yeah. They need they need more assets, they need more youth, they need to keep going. Yeah. Or they or there's no expectations, right? And Mitchkov, even if he's gone until three more if he's in Russia for three more seasons, it's just more time for him to play at a really high level place i mean i hope he doesn't sort of go back to the old version he of player he was if he does go back to st petersburg next year i don't think he will i'd be very surprised um because it was very much night and day and he clearly clearly played very very well in sochi um and so yeah i don't know it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him i if i were running a scouting board i would just you know, I think I think a lot of it is about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't treat him any differently, right? Like he's not fighting in Ukraine right now, right? Like yeah. he's he's just a hockey player, and so my so approach, happens to live in Russia, yeah, right. It, and so yeah. my approach would my my only concern, my only legitimate concern would be that the Russian government, who basically owns half the KHL teams in some way, right? Like they're all yeah. oligarch owned, and all the oligarchs work for the government basically. So in my mind, the only concern would be Russian oligarchs or whoever runs St. Petersburg and the Russian government going, we will literally print money until Matvey Michkov, you know, because he's our guy in Russia. Like, yeah. we will print money for him to stay here. We'll print as many rubles as we want if it means he does not leave to go to North America. But I also think the NHL is not the KHL and the NHL is a better league. Yeah. And maybe there's an argument where he just personally needs time to get used to the idea of leaving the country. Fine. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, when you write him a check for $3 million for his signing bonuses and his yep. salary in the NHL, and then at, you know, come he comes over at 21, he has two or three really strong seasons and you got a contract extension for at that point, $15 million. If he's really good, $13 million. If he like really is this sort of high level goal scoring yep. guy, I don't think that's the end of the world for Matvey Michkov, right? 13, <laughs> t- 10 million US dollars can buy a lot of rubles. Yes. And uh, so I don't know if that's going to be a massive concern for him personally. And I think that if a team sort of is hesitant about it, that's probably not the way, right way to go. Like, I still think he's the third best player in the draft. So if oh, Chicago, was, if Chicago gets thing. him, yeah, if Chicago gets him, I'm going, look, you want to stay in Russia? Fine. But, but we're going to be bad for the next Yeah, we're going to be anyway. bad anyway. But, yeah. but don't forget that we drafted you and we want you here. And yeah. we're going to make it happen because once you're ready, like we think you're going to be a tremendous player and our fans are great. Like there's all kinds of things that you could probably sell them on, especially in a team like Chicago. You know, you're an original six team, you know, it, yep. and, and the fans when Chicago is good are phenomenal. So 
who knows? It's it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes. Like, could he go 10th overall because teams are scared? Sure. But at that point in the draft, there's literally no argument to like say no to him, even if yeah. he does stay in Russia for a few more years. So, yeah. So you answer my question is, uh, yeah, the Carlson versus uh, Mitch Kovs, because it, it, at yeah. the beginning it seemed, it seemed like it was Carlson, but uh, not that Carlson had a bad season. He had a great season yep. in SHL, but uh, you just see that uh, elite, elite talent from, from Mitch Kovs. So, it, all right. Yeah. Where? No, where does Connor Pedro go? He goes number one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's so, going number one. Yeah. He's going number one. Yeah. Who? I'm going to give you the option. You say you are you you go full uh full stern, you get to rig the lottery. Ooh. Who do you who would you rig the lottery for? Like a realistic option, who would you rig the lottery for? I am probably going to get banned from this show with my That's answer, fine. but I am on the Anaheim Ducks wagon for him. <sighs> I look, look, let me explain. I don't Number want to one. have to watch Zegris, McTavish, and Bedard for the next 15 years. Will, Will, why would you do you this asked, to me? JD, you asked me the question. I am the one who gets to answer the question. Uh, and you don't like my I'm answer, but it's I'm true. I'm cutting all this out. You wouldn't like it. You wouldn't like it. But the whole hockey universe would love Trevor Zegris playing with Connor Bedard. It would be so annoying and awful, but it would be great. I mean, I grew up in the, in the Korea Solani years. It, it made the Anaheim Ducks a thing. It made them this massive hockey culture thing. And it was awesome. The, the San Jose Sharks with Adam Fantilli, I would argue, is probably a better fit. Like, I think it would be. And I, look, you're shaking your head, but you are gonna, you would love Adam oh, Fantilli. Love Adam and Fantilli David Quinn, you, yeah. we, make, we, make, we make judgments about David Quinn and his lineup choices and yeah. like how he wants to play. Adam Fantilli and David Quinn could be roommates. Like I feel like David Quinn would absolutely adore Adam Fantilli and be like, I am going to play this. Guy. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but San Jose's center depth. It's our hurdle couture. And then a lot of question marks. So, right. So yeah. Fantilli slots in right there immediately and no questions asked. And I feel like that wouldn't be so bad. And man, if, if San Jose had one and Anaheim had the other, for the next 10 years, it would be wild. I know you want Bedard, but holy crap. I don't know. I got, I have, I have to be honest. I can't, I can't, I can't go against my gut, you know? Uh, no, it's I'm fine. sorry. It's fine. We'll, we'll have, uh, you will get a sternly worded email from my uh, <sighs> representation after this, but it's fine. fine. Uh, so five years from now, I'm still doing this podcast because they can't uh, replace me because they can't find anybody better for some reason. Uh, <laughs> right. You're on to talk about this draft. Who, other than Connor Bedard, is the best player in the 2023 NHL draft? Oh, boy. Um, I I think I throw Fantilli in there, I, I think. In terms of what I consider to be a good hockey player, mm-hmm. I think there will be players in this year's draft who are a ton of fun to watch. Andrew Crystal, uh, Will Smith, Oliver Moore, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew Michkov, um, you know, some other guys, Leo, to Carlson. Leo Carlson. I mean, he's not really fun to watch, but he'll I be like good. Watching. He'll yes, be a good too. player, fun to watch in a way. But yeah. other than there are some other guys that are just like a ton of fun to watch. There, there are guys that do some certain things extremely well. There are some guys that I think have a ton of potential that they just haven't realized yet. Like Daniel boot in Russia is a guy six foot five, but insanely skilled, insanely good shooter. Um, and if things work out for him, I could see him being really, really good. 
Um, but I'd say Fantilli. I don't know. I, 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 in terms of an all-around guy, he can shoot, he can pass, he can hit, he can skate. He's big. He can, you know, he's he's gotten a lot better this season um, over the course of the year. Like I, I, I think that he is probably the next best thing. Again, you shoot for the Bedards, even if you miss. You'll well, land among the Fentillies. <laughs> that's the thing about this year's draft. Is yeah, everybody's right. freaking out about Bedard, but I think you've got a really strong group of like 10 yeah. guys who I think are all really good options. Yes. Uh, no, I, I, I know. I just, okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's going to okay. be okay, Sharks fans. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you lose a lot of games. You're getting, you're still getting something really nice no matter what. You're getting something yep. really nice. So, all right. Yep. Uh, Will, where can the people find you? Yes, so you can follow me uh, at Scouching on Twitter, or you can go to my website, scouching.ca. Uh, there's a Patreon campaign that supports it as well. Um, you can also find me on YouTube at Scouching. My work is also hosted on McKeen'sHockey.com. Uh, and uh, actually, I think that's it. I think I've gotten the I think I've gotten the plugs nailed down. Um, and there's a live show we do every Thursday night uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so don't miss those. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at my fryhole. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Locked On Sharks. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Watch on YouTube as well. Will, thank you very much. Even though you've broken every Sharks fan's heart, like that's just salt in the wound, buddy. Uh, you might as well just said sentiment of Vegas at that point. Like, <laughs> so. Oh, that I wouldn't want that. No, that I'm gross. vetoing Those, that. That those yellow helmets on Bedard, those gold helmets on Bedard, would be the worst. Anyway. Yeah. Until tomorrow, bye, friends.